Hello and welcome to another episode of Crash, the UK geek show. This is episode number 294, recorded on Monday the 23rd of December 2019 at 235619. It was the night before the night before Christmas at the moment. But earlier today, twas actually in the middle of the afternoon when I awoke completely knackered. What happened was that I had awoke very early that morning, far too early, in fact, and had my breakfast too early and then completely flaked out and fell asleep, which meant that I awoke in the middle of the afternoon in a state of full horror when I realised that the tree still wasn't up, the veggies hadn't been bought, and there was just a huge amount of housework to do before I could relax and enjoy Christmas. And in fact, I'm still not quite relaxing into Christmas yet. I am sort of enjoying it, but this is a working Christmas and I'm doing all this Doctor Who stuff, so yeah. And on top of all that housework, I also realised that I hadn't watched my daily Vintage Who, which also meant that I had no show notes until a few seconds ago, in fact, I was just writing the show notes. I just finished watching those six episodes of Planet of the Daleks, writing the notes and just getting in before midnight, before Christmas Eve, so that I could say that was the night before the night before Christmas. Doing this has taken a lot of rushing around, a bit of a tired back and quite a lot of Red Bull. At least I have managed to do all those chores as well as watching Doctor Who and writing up the show notes. I have tidied up the corner of Geek, where a lot of my little geek ornaments reside, the ones that aren't in storage, and it's also where I keep my Christmas tree. <laughs> Semi-decorated the whole year round, I just put it in the corner when it's not Christmas, but I took it out today I dusted all the geek ornaments, I shook the dust out of the tree, I swept the fireplace for huge cobwebs, <laughs> I swept the floor, did the shopping, did all this stuff, and I think I'm ready for Christmas. There is one thing that's a bit annoying. I bought the vegetables today, and... They were very cheap, but they were not aimed at the solo Christmas celebrator. Celebrator? Roy the tape editor here. That celebrant, you burk. No, they were big bags of vegetables. And I am on my own. So what am I going to do with all those vegetables? I've got to think of something. Maybe there's a way of semi-cooking and freezing them because there's no way that I can get through that much vegetable. 
I've now got enough to feed maybe a party of four to the point of them not being able to move. So for one person, yeah, I will probably end up in casualty if I try to eat all that in one go. And the other thing, why aren't people happy? Every year I wonder about this. I managed to go out and do some shopping and a bit of walking around, and people are very aggressive and grumpy. They're not all that happy. And this guy, of course, driving an Audi, managed to push me out of a space before I could get there. How annoying, and how typical of an Audi driver. But let's leave all those little annoyances aside and actually talk about Doctor Who, although I saw a spiral into this moaning palooza. Okay, today I am talking about Doctor Who, Planet of the Daleks from 1973. Let's start off with cast and production. The third Doctor is still John Pertwee. The companion is still Joe Grant, played by Katie Manning. This serial was directed by David Maloney and written by the legendary Terry Nation. Crash salutes Terry Nation. The producer was Barry Letts. And this is the fourth serial slash story of the tenth season following on from Frontier in Space. It consists of six 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 7th of April to the 12th of May 1973. As I said last week in lieu of playing clips which have copyright issues, although I don't think I'd be prosecuted if I cut together a little clip, but now I've got into the habit of not doing that. Let's carry on. I am instead doing a little On This Day segment. On this day on the 7th of April, 1973, that is, not actually today, the 23rd. Oh no, it's the 24th of December. Yeah, we've gone over past midnight. It's now Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone. Yeah, let's see what things of note happened on the 7th of April, 1973. According to my pitiful little research, a singer called Anne-Marie David from Luxembourg won the Eurovision Song Contest, the 18th Eurovision Song Contest that coincidentally was also held in Luxembourg with a song called Tu te reconnaître. I suppose that is a double whammy for Luxembourg, the very, very tiny little country that seems to make a lot of money by hosting corporate tax avoiders. <laughs> Number one in the UK singles chart was a song called Get Down by Gilbert O'Sullivan. I took the time to listen to the song on YouTube and I can tell you it is awful and poppy and just a bit rubbish. And also has really horrible lyrics, not quite as bad as the Rolling Stones' Brown Sugar, but... Almost as shameful. 
And it was sung by a man with a very, very hairy, exposed chest. Well, that's the 70s for you. What else happened? Oh yeah, apparently something important also happened in cricket. And no offence to connoisseurs of willow whacking, but... I had to suffer through the game at school, and later socially due to peer pressure. So it does give me great satisfaction to tell you that I care absolutely nothing for this absurd English pastime that is as agonisingly slow as waiting in a doctor's waiting room for the dreadful confirmation of a diagnosis of terminal nose hair. Or any unsightly, older gentleman hair. That's enough waffle, let's talk who. I'll start off with what happens, which I have mercifully summarised greatly, and again, in comparison to the ridiculously overlong Wikipedia entry. You can thank me later. Okay, it starts off with the Doctor who was injured, as we know from last week, Frontier in Space. He has sent a message to the Time Lords to warn them of the Daleks, and then he falls into a frozen, unconscious state. And by frozen, I literally mean frozen. He is frozen with his eyes open and ice clinging to his skin. He says something to Joe about recording what's going on in the TARDIS log, which Joe does. They land, but Joe notices that the monitor is plastered with something black and gooey. She leaves the TARDIS to have a look around. And when she does that, the TARDIS is cocooned in the goo. Joe finds a Thal spacecraft. If you remember, the Thal are the mortal enemies of the Daleks. They are a humanoid blonde species from the planet Skaro. The Thal crew offer to help Joe and rescue the Doctor And they do this, just in the nick of time before the Doctor is suffocated by the goo that has encased the TARDIS. At around this time, Joe is poisoned by a plant, then rescued and healed by a native of the planet. The planet is called Spyrodon. And the native is also called a Spyrodon. But that isn't the most unusual thing. The most unusual thing is that this intelligent native of this planet is invisible. It is this invisibility that the Daleks are trying to develop by experimenting on the enslaved natives. And it is for this reason that the Time Lords have sent the Doctor to Spyrodon. The Doctor is captured, taken to the Daleks' underground base, and later escapes to discover thousands of Daleks hidden in a cave. 
The Fall team who were originally sent to the planet thought that there are only a few hundred, but it turns out that there are thousands waiting to be turned invisible and then unleashed on the rest of the universe. The Doctor and the Thals sabotage the hidden cave, causing it to flood. As the ice-cold water rushes in, the Daleks are put into a state of suspended animation. The Thals then go back to their spaceship and take off to return home to Skaro. The Doctor and Joe escape in the TARDIS just in the nick of time as the remaining Daleks attack. What's an adrenaline junkie bike career to do after a fatal wipeout? How about inheriting a weird box, partnering up with a lethal and sexy reporter, and going on the adventure of a lifetime? Join Geeky X Rocker and his enigmatic partnering crime as they are drawn into the mystery of the century deep in the dark heart of London. It is a secret that will change their lives forever, if it doesn't kill them first. The Horrors Box is a very dark, very funny, fast-paced, action-packed, suspense thriller brimming with pop culture nostalgia and unique characters. If you liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Goonies, National Treasure, and Preston and Child's Agent Pendergast series, you will love this high-octane and explosive page-turner as quirky and British as James Bond and Doctor Who by UK author Roy Martha. Oh, that's me. And this is my book. You can find The Horrors Box on Amazon as a Kindle ebook now. Let's move on to what I thought. First of all, I was pretty surprised that we didn't directly pick up where we ended in Frontier and Space. I was expecting that we would continue with the two warring factions who are now allied against the Daleks, the Human Empire and the Draconians. Instead, we move to a completely different planet, Spyrodon, and join an entirely different group of people fighting the Daleks. Let's talk a bit about Joe's rescue by that invisible alien chap. So he picks her up, takes her off, he's wearing this big furry cloak, and then he swaddles her in furs in an extremely Barbarella-like way. If you've watched the film Barbarella with Jane Fonda, you'll know the scene I'm talking about. There is a less frivolous but awfully sexist scene in which the Thal leader tells his girlfriend that her recent arrival may cloud his judgment. Now, okay, that's not actually the sexist bit. You could say that's a little chauvinistic, but understandable as he is concerned for her safety. The bit where it gets really sexist and unpleasant is the bit that follows this, when he adds that her presence may lead to his mission's failure. He is actually blaming her in advance for the mission failing. And the most galling and irritating thing about this scene is that the woman Thal 
apologizes. She actually apologizes. I've made my fists into balls and my fingernails are digging into my hands. How unbelievably annoying. He could have just left it at the chauvinist bit. I could understand it was the 70s and... If the situation was reversed and it was a female who was on the planet and her boyfriend had arrived and she was worried about his safety, maybe she could say something. But actually blaming it on the other person. Ugh. Let's move on to creature design. I think it was quite good. There were spore squirting, tentacle lashing, eye plants... That's not an apple thing. That's actually an eye, like the visual organ. There are plants with eyes. (laughs) I'm not sure if I've just conflated a whole bunch of different species together, but from my memory, which isn't that great, even though I've only watched this a couple of hours ago, yeah, spore-squirting, tentacle-lashing eye plants. I'm going to stick with what I said. There's also the Dalek Gold Leader, who is literally gold and tall and has antenna-like lights on top. He doesn't have the usual little blister lights. He has taller light bulbs sticking out of his dome armor at the top. The blonde Thals also have these spacesuits, which I quite liked. They are very, very loosely reminiscent of a more modest version of a suit that I have seen worn by a woman that graces the cover of the 1981 edition of a Jack Williamson book called Brother to Demons, Brother to Gods that I borrowed and read years and years ago, again from the Catford Public Library that I mentioned in the last episode. Look that up. Make sure you look up the 1981 cover. Okay, it's a little fanciful for me to say that that resemblance is strong, it isn't, it's loose, but that's what it reminded me of when I first saw it. And then when I actually looked at the cover, I thought, oh, it's not exactly the same, but it's near enough. I liked the invisible Spyrodons with their colourful skin capes, which they wear to guard themselves against the cold, and also because it's easier to portray an invisible being when you just have to drape them in a cape so they're no longer invisible, because it's hard doing invisibility for the whole of this serial, I suppose. Too much uh, string and puppeteering involved. I also liked the design of the Spyrodon's facial features when one of them, a Spyrodon called Wester, the chap who first rescues Joe, sadly dies and becomes visible. And I have to hand it to the BBC. They could have easily simply avoided showing what the Spyrodons look like, but they do satisfy the audience's curiosity and long patience when the Spyrodon is finally revealed towards the end of the serial. 
There were also plenty of great practical effects, like the lifting ramps, although I'm pretty sure I saw a string attached to the top of a Dalek as it levitated up the anti-gravity tube. There were plenty of good explosions. I liked the look of both the Thal spaceships and the Dalek gold leader's ship. I enjoyed the jungle sets and the ancient ruins, the ice tunnels, and I was impressed by the miniature set of the underground Dalek horde hiding out in that cave and the flood that eventually overcomes them. On the other hand, there was one particularly useless prop, and that was the TARDIS recording log. Yeah, recording log, right. It was actually just this circuit board glued into a cassette tape case. (laughs) And I was thinking whoever designed that wasn't fooling anyone, and maybe that prop maker was an apprentice on work experience. Let's move on. Joe has a semi-romantic interlude with one of the young Thal men, and later she is homesick for Earth, both of which are foreshadowing something that is coming. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I have seen this and the following episode before this current rewatch, so I know what's coming. I'm not sure that I would have known that had I not seen this and the next episode before, because as I was watching it towards the end, I was pretty sleepy. Near the very end of the serial, the Doctor says to the Thal leader, Don't make war sound like an exciting and thrilling game. I was really impressed that the Doctor thought it was important to pass on that last piece of pacifistic wisdom to the victorious Thal leader. It changes the theme of the story from a simple hard-won battle to a lesson in not glamorising war, which is one of the reasons that I really like Doctor Who. Finally, I did manage to find a piece of trivia. The extras video tells me that episode 3 was available in black and white only, and also only on 16mm. The reason for that was that the original tape was wiped by the BBC so that they could reuse it, as they did with many, many of their programmes, because at the time they thought that TV was just a one-off They did not think it important to keep an archive for posterity. Bad BBC, bad BBC. Anyway, the third episode was eventually restored to colour in 2008 by a company called Legend Films. 
who use some kind of computer colorization technique and then released the serial on DVD in full color in 2009. And that's all I have to say about Planet of the Daleks from 1973. Oh, amazing. I actually managed to finish this podcast. I didn't think I would. I thought I would end up doing this on Christmas Eve. And I've managed to do it. Of course, now I have to edit the episode. Oh, I really don't like editing. Maybe I need to get someone on work experience so they can cock it up. No, perhaps not. And that's it. Now I'm going to get on with my Christmas. I'm not sure if I'm doing another podcast on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or Boxing Day or when, but I am doing a few more podcasts over the Christmas holiday slash New Year period. So expect more. And that's it. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show or Crash with three R's, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 294, recorded on Monday the 23rd of December 2019, but ending on Christmas Eve on Tuesday the 24th of December 2019 at 003215. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!